Get help. Yo, 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 what up, dogs? And welcome to episode number 66 of the Fantasy Football Dogs podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Panther, and as always, I'm here with my pal in real life, but my foe in fantasy, Nathan McDonald. The NFC West is falling apart, all except for the Rams. Yes, it is. And uh, that is going to send us right into our new segment, our brief new segment here. Um, but uh, we're going to be covering a lot in this episode. Uh, you got a lot to look forward to. We're going to be talking about some uh, divisive players, so some risers and fallers over the uh, course of the the, the pre-draft process and, you know, I guess they're divisive for us uh, and possibly to the fantasy community. Um, and uh, after that, we're going to be talking about uh, some late round players that um, we think we're going to be targeting uh, followed by a general value talk about the, the you know, the, the, this draft class and uh, you know, uh, we'll be talking about, you know, what we might trade the one Oh one for uh, you know, what point are we willing to trade for 2023 picks um, and, uh, you know, just comparing some veteran players. And then we're also going to be giving you some buyer sells before the draft. And so you got, we got a week from today to get some of these players off our Boy. roster or sell them off before the draft, or we think will affect their prices. So a lot to look forward to here, but first we will talk about one, Mr. Kyler Murray, who, you know, all throughout the pre, uh, you know, uh, postseason sorry uh has uh you know had some drama he scrubbed his social media of the cards and all this i've always thought it's a load of smoke uh but it looks like he could hold out um if he doesn't get a contract he did just tweet something out right before the episode started about arizona's his home he wants to win super bowls so we'll see but what's your you know do you think this this affects his fantasy value what's your thoughts on this nate yeah, that's his way of saying, don't blame me, Cardinals fans. I want to be here. It's the organization that's preventing all this. Uh, you know, I, I think it's probably a ploy to get more money or get the contract done. But, you know, Tom Pelissero did go on the Rich Eisen show and did talk about how, yeah, it looks like he could uh, he could be a holdout if they don't give him that extension. So apparently there's no, you know, no good talks have been made. They There's no uh, offer that's kind of on the table at the moment. So, We'll see what happens with that situation, but uh, it's another NFC West team that I think has a more pressing and a likely issue. So we can get into the Niners, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. This one definitely has a lot more fantasy impact, and that is Debo Samuel. He wants out of San Francisco. Um, you know, it looks like, hey, he wants more money. Um, I've seen, uh, you know, a hype that, uh, he, he was offered 19 million and he wants 25. Um, and then also it looks like even if they offered him the money, he might just want a change of scenery, maybe doesn't like the way he's being used. So, uh, what's your thoughts on that and the impact of it? Yeah, well, uh, Rappaport came out and said the reported that it's not really a matter of money. It's, you know, he, he does not like being used the way he was used last year. He's kind of made that clear on a couple of comments he's made since the season ended. Um, you know, he, he wants to be more of a true wide receiver. He, you know, it's kind of, you know, I mentioned Cordero Patterson when you and I talked in private about this, but he talked at the end of the season about, you know, this running back thing is a different thing. Like you get beat the hell up playing this position 
And, you know, I think Debo realizes playing that is, you know, would shorten his career. Uh, clearly, you can earn a ton of money as a wide receiver, as we, they've shown with recent contracts with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. And, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think it might be a good career move on his part, but it would be an absolute blow to the 49ers. And it, it sounds, you know, like their relationship is somewhat irreparable. I don't know how it got to that point, but that's the, the notion it gives off. Uh, you know, personally, I think he just saw Trey Lance all year in practice and said, hell no, I'm getting out of here. Uh, and, and and that's all it comes down. <laughs> Josiah did not like that at all. Oh, that's <laughs> all right. Some bias coming from Nate, but that's OK. Uh, hey, no, if mean, Lance was fantastic in practice, I don't think he'd be like, all right, no matter how much money you have, I'm getting the I, hell honestly, out of here. I don't think it has any. I think if he doesn't like the way he's being used, but, it doesn't have anything to do with who the quarterback is. But yeah, what I will I, say, I don't think is, it's the main issue, but yeah, certainly. No, what I will say is Trey Lance's stock. If Debo does truly leave, I mean, the way I feel about him, you know, I've always said, you know, say what you want about what you uh, think about the player. He's in a great system in a great situation and he's not in a, he's still in a great system and he's still in a better situation than a lot of the, the other uh, quarterbacks in his class, but losing Debo is, a big deal. And it definitely, um, you know, makes me lose a little bit of steam out of that Trey Lance boat. Uh, you know, I'm still going to be drafting him at the right price and everything, but yeah, you won't catch me drafting him in the top 10 or anything like that. Like I've seen a lot of uh, people do uh, and, at this point. So and as much as I didn't like him as a, as an enemy of the Rams and a guy who caused me much sorrow over the years, Debo is a fantastic player and you can't just go pick up a guy like him willy nilly in the draft, especially, you know, they'll get a first rounder if they trade him, but as of right now, they don't. So, you know, it's, they're, they're going to have to do something to fill that void. Uh, if he's gone, it sounds like he will be, um, you know, Brandon, Ayuk stock would definitely be going up. But I do think Shanahan will try to make it look like, you know, it's like his system that made Debo and not the other way around. So I think whoever takes over that role is going to be in for a lot of touches. But, uh, you know, IU's stock is up. Uh, George Kittle's stock would be up. But I agree, Lance's stock would, would be going down for me. Um, and you would hope for Lance that Jimmy G would be off the team at this point, and you have that as well. So, yeah, it's not ideal. Well, Jimmy G's not off the team because nobody wants him because he got his so shoulder surgery. But we'll see. I think all it's going to take for Jimmy G is, you know, one of these quarterbacks, and I'm, I don't hope it. I just – it always happens, you know – gets a preseason injury, something crazy happens. And, you know, then a team's looking for a quarterback, but that being said, you know, with this thing about Jimmy G Debo, I think what sucks about it though, for me is I'm not sure there's many situations that where they could like viably attain and pay Debo Samuel because it's not just a price you have to pay for him at, uh, you know, draft picks or players that you have to trade away. It's also, you have to sign him because he wants to be signed. So mm -hmm. he wants to be extended. So um, there's not many landing spots. I can imagine that I feel better about Debo than San Francisco at this point. So I do think it's kind of stocked down for everyone involved, except yeah, you can, and, and Kittle, as you, as you mentioned. Honestly, if if he went to the Jets, I would feel about the same about him fantasy wise. Um, I, I think he would get plenty of usage there. I think Zach Wilson. I personally think he's a much better quarterback than Lance, but I think he's definitely a better passer than Lance is, and would be you know taking off running less and giving the ball off to Debo as a receiver, which is what Debo wants. So um, yeah, yeah, I think that would be a good fit. They have the tenth overall pick they could offer. They have a lot of cap room to sign him to a long term deal. Uh, you know, the Jets make a lot of sense. I've also seen the Houston Texans as like a betting favorite for it. That would be somewhat surprising. Um, wouldn't like that as much, but hey, General Mills, he, he balls too. So who knows?
Yeah, and it sucks because, you know, Debo was really my champion last season. He was <laughs> one of my best calls. I was one of the few people. Wide receiver two on the season. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I Don't get me wrong. I didn't call him quite that high, but I, I was one of the few people drafting him over IU last year. And now it looks like, uh, you know, if he does go to a different team, I no, I wouldn't draft Ayuk over. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, even I was yeah. on the Ayuk train, but Debo, he, he's a more talented player for sure. For sure, for sure. All right, well, let's get into the bulk of this episode. And uh, let's talk about, you know, it's two. It's one week before the draft. Um, we are going to do an episode next week. That's going to be uh, probably the day before the draft. It might come out the day of the draft. And uh, we're basically going to be taking a mock draft and applying it and acting like these landing spots are real and uh, doing a mock draft for us based off of that mock draft, if that makes sense. So it's a mock draft of of a mock. mock. Yes, exactly. A complete mockery. But uh, so today we're going to just kind of be covering just our thoughts overall on this. You know, we talked about kind of some of the subjects, but just breaking down this draft class, getting into some of the nitty gritty and we're going to start off by talking about some players that have risen or fallen for us personally over the process of our evaluations and the combine and the hype and all this stuff that uh, goes into evaluating these players. And, you know, I think a lot of these players are going to be divisive in the community overall. Um, so, uh, you know, I'll go ahead and get into mine. And for me, it's David Bell. Uh, I came into this season thinking David Bell was going to be one of the like gems of this draft class, like one of the like top. This is a faller. This is a faller. This okay. is a guy that's that's fallen. Yes, thanks for yes. Yeah, so this <laughs> is fallen for me. Uh, yeah, I I came into this thinking he was you know going to be one of the top three or four uh, receivers. Uh, you know he had some Devi hype. Uh, you know if you play in any Devi leagues, he was probably uh, drafted. If not, uh, you know close to being drafted. Uh, and so, uh, I really thought he, and I still think he's a solid receiver, but you know, this is a very deep receiving class and it's just, I did not expect him. I think he's my wide receiver 10. Like I did not expect him to be there, but, um, there's just so much athletic talent and he, he is a good baller. He, 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 he plays well on the field, but yeah, he just doesn't have the measurables or the athleticism that so many of these guys have in this class. And, um, he has fallen for me. I mean, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 I imagined he had to be in my top six or seven receivers. And the fact that he fell to 10 for me was, uh, was yeah, a big deal. And I think a lot of people probably feel the same way. There are still some people high on David Bell. I have seen him ranked in the top six or seven, but never in the top like three, four, like, you know, we thought he might be. So I think for pretty much the whole community, he's, he's been a bit of a faller and we'll have to see where he lands. Yeah, um, I agree with you there. I did not – for me, he was outside of my top 12. Uh, I did not expect that going into – before we started the scouting process. But, yeah, he's – you know, um, he definitely struggles to separate on film, and then you saw that at the Combine. So, he, he's produced well in college, but I feel like he may struggle to translate as well to the NFL. So, good good call there. Uh, yeah, I, I'll follow that up with my own faller here. Um, it's going to be Isaiah Spiller. Uh, this guy was at one point my RB3 on the season, and now, uh, you know, I, I haven't finalized the rankings, but he's you know, he, he's outside of my top five for sure. Um, I, I think, yeah, he's he's probably more like RB7 or 8 for me because um, I, I think he's probably going to be taken in the fifth round or later. Um, he may be taken in the fourth, but I, I don't think it's going to be any higher than that. He just 
his measurables are not good. Uh, his, you know, his burst, his speed, his vertically, like pretty much everything was very, very poor. So, and it, it didn't look better at the pro day. So uh, I think that's kind of caused him to get some bad draft stock and that's, you know, going to reflect in the fantasy community. So um, yeah, he's, he's a follower for me. You know, I, I liked, you know, a decent bit of what I saw on film, but yeah, he's, he's very limited uh, athletically and he has a lot of like red flags too, as far as like the fumbles and some, games he's underperformed as well so um so yeah he's definitely fallen yeah i mean he has fallen slightly for for me he's gone from my rb2 to my rb3 uh but you know not quite as drastic as as you know where you have him here um you know he he has been getting some you know positive he was brought in uh, by the houston texans uh you know obviously that's a premium landing spot um you know i i, I still think i still have hope he can be drafted you know uh somewhere probably in the third round like late second would be my best hope but probably not um you know and and again he could get drafted in the fourth round like michael carter and still be you know okay but that being said you know the chances are going to be a lot less likely if that happens um i'm still in on him i really am i really liked what i saw on film and and uh you know i know the the you know athletics weren't there the pro day you know the I was a little bit disappointed with the, with the 40 time as well, but it's, it's not, it's, he, he does really well. His footwork is, is I think the best in this class. And I think that really sets him apart uh, and still makes me think just as a rusher and the fact he can catch the ball, uh, you know, he's young, he's 20 years old. He's the youngest back in this class. I think he still has time to develop. I don't think he's a finished prospect. And I think NFL teams will see that as well, but Fair enough. He is a follower, I think, in the community at large. And again, he did fall a spot for me, too. So I can't necessarily disagree with him being a follower. Where do you think he's going to go in the actual draft? Yeah, like I said, I think third round is where, is where that's what I really hope. I mean, I think fourth round is possible, but I really think that he's not going to fall outside of that range. Um, you know, that's that's where I see. And if he is drafted in the third round to the right team, obviously, I would be willing to pull the trigger late in that first round. Um, probably we'll see where some of these other spots land out but uh but yeah i'm still i'm still in on him but definitely <laughs> uh he's he's falling some uh well douche i guess we'll stick with fallers we'll get through those and then we'll get to the risers get to the positives so uh big time faller across the community and for myself i once had him at rb4 he is no longer at rb4 i think he was an rb12 mm. um I'd still probably have him about there, but it's Kyron Williams. Um, another one of these, you know, Debbie darlings. He was drafted in a lot of Debbie leagues. Um, you know, great Ooh. film. You can't, can't argue with the film. Great third down running back. He can pass block. He can catch, does a lot with the ball in his hands and after the catch. Um, but you know, he's small and he's slow and that's not a good combination, you know, um, I think his upside is very limited and yeah, I, I just based on the film alone, I, I had him very high. I really, really liked what I saw, but um, you know, and I still have hope for him for that reason, but I, I, I think it's not probably going to shake out very well for him. I mean, maybe he can get secure a third down role early on. Uh, but you know, I, he's certainly never going to be a three down back. And, you know, I think, the absolute upside, which to be fair, this guy did finish his RB one, one season, but I think he's going to be like a Tariq Cohen type. 
um, you know, but Tariq Cohen was a lot faster. So, mm-hmm. uh, but Tariq Cohen couldn't pass block. So that that's that's one thing Kyron Williams does have on him. But yeah, Kyron, big time faller for me, and I think for pretty much everyone else except I think Nate. Didn't you have somebody that had him as like RB something? You're telling me. Uh, yeah. You don't have to name the person, but but you know, yeah. <laughs> you say somebody I, still I mean, believed in him. He he, he, st- he stands by what he says, so you know it stands alone. And he's made some good good calls before, but I heavily disagree with it. After the combine, Emory Hunt, uh, guy I listened to, he uh, he had him at RB three uh, still after the combine, which is uh, you know no no disrespect, but insane to me. Uh, it's you know he has a speed score of eighty three overall. He's one hundred ninety four pounds and ran a four six five on a very fast combine, new combine track. Um, yeah, I was just hoping to at least like if he didn't have the top gear, I was hoping to at least see some really good burst from him. But he had a ten yard split of one point six two, which was abysmal. So yeah, he, you know he had a thirty two inch vertical, one hundred sixteen inch broad. I mean, it was just he didn't excel anywhere on the board. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a real possibility he's not taken till you know like the sixth or seventh round. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what NFL teams think of him. All right. Well, who's your next faller if you have one for us? Ooh, I do have one. Here's another guy that's fallen across the board, and I'm telling you what, he's Texas A&M is having a rough go of it because Jalen Watermeyer, mm-hmm. I mean, he is off my board. Like, I am not drafting this dude. We we're in fifth round rookie drafts, twelve, you know, picks around. He's off my board. Like, there are a lot of other tight ends with a lot of other athletic traits, a lot, lot better than him. I mean, his his pro day was a abysmal so yeah it's it's not good uh you know it does show up on film that limited athleticism and that lack of speed just in their offense across the hole except for that uh Devin a chain i believe is his name uh that guy's definitely explosive but uh, yeah watermeyer just you were hoping to see a lot better i mean and he's not like you know he's 255 pounds but you would expect him to i mean he ran like what a, over a 5.0 in the 40 like over five yeah. seconds in the 40 that is no, you, you can't succeed in the NFL as a pass-catching tight end and do that. So he, he may block well. I don't think he does excel in that area, but if fantasy-wise, he's irrelevant to me. Yeah, he'd be a slow tackle. Like, like yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, Jordan Davis would run by the dude no problem. I mean, it's right. it's insane. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm definitely with you there. Don't Don't really have too much to add. I don't think he's on my board either. Um, all right. Well, that was some negativity. That was some fallers. Those are some guys that we don't feel as good about through this process, but who is a guy that you do feel better about this process through you do feel better about throughout this process? Uh, who's your riser or a riser? Yes. Uh, a riser for me, a guy who seems to be rising everywhere. Really the sun is shining on Jameson Williams out of Alabama. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of you know reports and stuff that he could be the first wide receiver taken. Uh, that would surprise me, him getting taken over Garrett Wilson, but um, yeah, or even Drake London. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he is the number one deep threat in in this draft. I mean, what he did against top level corners in the SEC, particularly against Georgia, was incredibly impressive. Uh, he is fantastic footwork, footwork, next level speed. Guys that are his height, like over six foot one, running a four two, which I guarantee he runs. Uh, that that's freakish. So um, yeah, he he's a slim guy, but he's super fast and he's tall. 
Um, they don't build many like him. So if he lands in a good spot, Jameson Williams would definitely be a big uh, post-draft riser for me as well. But uh, he, he's risen up my rankings a little bit um, just off of what I've seen on film or I look at it and the hype he's getting right now. Yeah, you know, I've seen people have him as their, their number one receiver in this class. So um, I think he, there's certainly things that he, he can do that most of the other receivers can't do. And I think he has a tremendously high upside um, I'm still definitely more in on some other guys. Um, you know, I think I've pretty much felt for me personally, I do agree. He's been a riser, especially in the NFL draft, but you know, for me personally, he's kind of remained consistent about how I feel about him at that wide receiver five, six in this class. And that's low compared to a lot of people, but there is just so many good receivers in this class. We cannot stress that enough, but I uh, totally agree that he's been a huge riser for a lot of people and definitely the NFL draft. I mean, he could, I, there's been hype of him being the first receiver taken. So that's, that's rising quite a lot from where he was being talked about before. So uh, for me, a riser is going to be at the quarterback position and it's going to be Mr. Kenny Pickett. Um, I swear. Know, I thought you were about to say Desmond Ritter and I was going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, he's been a riser in the community. So yeah, you don't need to remind me of that. Buffoonery. Not, not so much for me, but uh, Kenny Pickett has been, you know, I, I had Kenny Pickett as my quarterback number two until those, ha that hand measurement came out. Um, it's not that I'm going to completely disregard the hand measurement, but I've kind of eased off, you know, I dropped him uh I think to wide receiver, uh, sorry, quarterback four. Um, I think he's probably right at three for me. And I'm tempted. Uh, my second quarterback in this class is Malik Willis. I am tempted to think about, you know, I think if he lands, especially, you know, there's been a lot of hype to him going to Carolina. If he lands there, I am going to feel pretty good about him. And I'm definitely going to see him as a first round pick. Um, I wasn't sure if that's how I was going to, you know, end up feeling about him, but I think he's risen for me. And I do think he's one of the safer picks in this quarterback class that's not a very safe you know i'm not don't think he's ever going to be your quarterback one but you know if he's your quarterback two for seven to ten years you know that's that's fine that's a great draft pick in the first round so i definitely see that upside for kenny pickett and you know i'm starting to feel a little bit better about him um so we'll see we'll see where he lands up shaking out that wasn't a good sentence all right <laughs> uh, that's okay nate what do you got to say about that kenny pickett uh, I, I, I can't hop on board with you here. Um, he may get good draft capital, but I, I'm not very high on Kenny Pickett. And it's not just the hand size. I mean, yeah, they're historically small. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the current smallest in the NFL is nine inches. He'd be a full half inch smaller than that. But aside from that is the fact that he just like, aside from his fifth year senior season, he just was not impressive in the least. Uh, you know, he, I, he had four very mediocre at best seasons. I mean, the two years prior, he had 13 touchdowns and nine interceptions each season. Um, yeah, he, he decent at times, but I just, you know, he had one great season with a sophomore Jordan Addison and what seemed to be a very good offense and, you know, credit to him for putting that together. But I just, I, I would have liked to see a guy with more flashes throughout his career, especially since he's been playing college football for five years. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot of comparisons to Joe Burrow, but I have to disagree on that because Joe Burrow just didn't get to play at OSU because he was surrounded by guys who could run a lot better than him, like Justin Fields and guys like that that worked in that RPO offense better than he did in college. But once Burrow transferred and got into a pro-style offense, he, he was fantastic and showed what he could do. So 
I think it was actually a Dwayne Haskins that beat him out of Ohio. Also, RIP Dwayne Haskins. But yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean, like I said, it was Justin Fields and others before him because, yeah, he was there before Fields. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it it wasn't a matter of like him being on the field and just not doing well. It was he didn't get the opportunity because he didn't fit the offense as well. So, yeah, I I don't see the comparison to Joe Burrow. I really don't. I'm not comparing. I'm not. I did just to be clear. I'm not comparing them. To no, no, no. I, I know you're not saying it. I, I'm just saying, you know, I hear that a lot from people and especially like, oh, well, he, you know, Joe Burrow only had that one great season at the end. Well, there's there's more of a better reason for it. Um, also, the fact that over half of his career touchdowns in five years came in his final season is pretty insane to me. So, yeah, I just uh, I would have liked to see a lot more in college to justify him being a top two or three quarterback for me. So he's staying a little bit down there. Um but um, but yeah, I can get into my next riser. Yeah, just a quick, rebuttal. My my quick response would just be, yeah, you know, I think he didn't have anybody to throw to until Jordan Agassin got there. I think that that offensive pick kind of developed with him. Uh, and yeah, you know, when I watch his senior year tape, it's it's better than most of the other guys take what he did this year is, is better than, you know, a lot of the guys in this class. I mean, certainly better than I think, you know, Malik Willis has put together in a season better than Desmond. Ritter's put, too. Well, yeah, that better, better than Desmond Ritter's put together in a season. I mean, probably statistically much better than what Matt Corral did. If I remember off the top of my head. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I, I agree. I agree to be wary about the only a one year, but the year was so good. And compared to this draft class, you know, the best year, I think any of them had off the top of my head, maybe Sam Howell, his sophomore year, I know had a really good year, but, uh, or uh, maybe yeah, his sophomore year, but um, anyways, that, that that's, that's just my rebuttal of that, but go ahead and get into your riser. All right. I, I see you're very steadfast on your guy, but I'm just, I'm saying I can't be on board with it. Um, yeah. Another riser for me has to be Trey McBride. Uh, he had a very, very good pro day. He, he showed some. You had him ranked at like four, didn't you? Or three? Uh, uh, let me check on that. Uh, In our episode, I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, I know I had uh, like Greg Dolchich, um, Isaiah Likely ahead of him, which Greg Dolchich, we, we did that on combine numbers. And then like the corrected numbers came back and his like were massively inflated before they got corrected. So that definitely bumped him down a little bit for me. But uh, um. Uh, yeah, I had him probably like three or four. I'd have to look at the episode, but uh, yeah, no, he, he he was more athletic than I thought he'd be, uh, at least in the testing. So that was good to see. And you know, part of it is like you know addition by subtraction. I mean, Jalen Water Watermeyer tested horribly. Um, Isaiah likely didn't have the best of pro days. Uh, you know, Greg Dolchich's you know initial numbers were definitely inflated. I still like him a lot. Uh, Greg Dolchich is a guy that's very underrated to me. He's very impressive as a receiver. Um, also, Jelani Woods just keeps rising and rising and rising for me. I, I love what I see from him. Um, but, yeah, Trey McBride, he, he's back up in that conversation for my tight end one. I haven't finalized that yet, but uh, he's, he's probably the leading candidate at the moment. Yeah, 100%. I was surprised how low you had Trey McBride. but um, I didn't yeah. think he'd test as well as he did, and I didn't think the other guys would test as horribly as they did, so it's kind of yeah, a combo yeah. of the two. Right, right. No, it totally, totally makes sense. But yeah, no, he's definitely my locked-in tight end one. Really the only tight end that I'm excited about in this class, to be completely honest. Uh, I mean, those are the guys I still have hope for. I agree. Uh, you know, if I did have a tight end riser, it would be Grant uh, Grant Dolchich, who I didn't, right. you know, I, I keep calling him Grant. I, I did that last episode too, but Greg Dolchich, but uh, he, I had much lower than you guys, but definitely he's up there in my top three at this point. Um all right, uh, I will give you another riser from me. And 
it's going to be Mr. Tyler Beatty. Um, you know, I had Tyler Beatty as my RB12 when we did the episode. I think he's like at my RB9 at this point. I bumped him above uh, Tyler Algier, who was my RB9 in the episode. Um, he Look, he is a little bit small, but he's not drastically small. And he's just, his, he balled out in the SEC. Like, these, these guys did he had much better stats than Algier and he did it in the SEC. Algier was playing against like scrub schools at BYU for the most part. So, and it wasn't like he was like playing for the Georgia Bulldogs. He was playing on a Missouri team and he like was their offense. Right. Right. His dominated score is off the, off the rails. I mean, he, he could get, if I mean, he could very easily secure uh, a role. I mean, I, you know, probably a, a B role or a third down role, but I, I really think I, I, I like him a lot more than I thought I would. You know, all the testing, everything was good. Everything was there. Um, a little bit small, but that's it. Still, he's bigger than other guys, bigger than Kyron Williams, you know. So, for me, um, yeah, Tyler Beatty has definitely been a riser. And, you know, I don't know. I haven't heard tons of hype from him as far as the NFL process, but you don't really with running backs outside of the top, you know, two or three guys typically. But, uh yeah, definitely. That's my running back riser. I'm, I'm getting getting hotter and hotter on Mr. Tyler Beatty. Yeah, I had him at my RB12 when we did that episode a few weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where I'd have him now. Um, probably wait till the draft to, to see where he lands and everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's uh, people forget, like there were three finalists for the Doak Walker Award this past year. Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker and Beatty. Like this guy had almost 2000 total yards in the sec. And like you said, he had a dominator rating that was ridiculous. It was 44% this year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he, um, yeah, he, he absolutely balled out against some great competition and uh, he he's really tough to bring down. He's, he's kind of like what a lot of people were hoping Kyron Williams would be. He's a little bit bigger than Williams definitely has a better BMI. Um, and he ran a four, four, five. So he has a much better speed score. Um, you know, just a more athletic, more, more productive guy. So so, yeah, um, I like that there. Good call. All right. Well, you got one more riser for us to bring us on home? Uh, yeah. I, so, Drake London was wide receiver three for me, and he is now wide receiver two. Hmm. He, yeah. Pickens has been beat out, huh? Yeah, I, I just – I don't want to seem biased and maybe that's part of it. I, you know, Pickens, I do think is more like the prototype receiver at that level, but I mean, Drake London, he, he gets good separation in his own right. He's, he's definitely bigger, quite a bit bigger than Pickens weight wise. Um, yeah. And he's just, you know, he, he's been more productive and I'm hearing a little more, a little more hype about his name, getting some better draft stock. And that's definitely not everything I will be the first to tell you that, but um, yeah, it was very close when we did the rankings episode on them between him and Pickens, and I, it's I think he's just nudged George out just a little bit. So uh, London now my wide receiver two. I still have Garrett Wilson as my wide receiver one. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I you know felt like a uh, a madman the night before when I put George Pickens above uh, Drake London and thought I was being so brave and then come to find out you guys still had him ranked higher than me. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I would, I'm definitely, the thing about it is the guys that go first and second in this dra- draft, especially 
I'm not going to put as much weight in that because some of those landing spots aren't nearly as juicy mm-hmm. as the guys that are going to go at the end of the round. So, uh, you know, I do th- I agree with you. Definitely. It seems like he's one of the NFL's favorite uh, uh, receivers and he's one of my favorite receivers in this draft class. Certainly. I, I agree with you, but um, yeah, you know, I think just him going as the first receiver isn't necessarily going to lock him in to move him up or down, oh, no. him, but uh, but yeah, no, totally agree. He's he's gotten a lot of good positive uh, buzz, and you know he did. He chose not to run his forty at his pro day, which you know he didn't say he wasn't going to until like the very last minute. So we were all waiting with anticipation to see that. Um, I think he would have ran somewhere along the lines of where Trey. I think him and Traylon have similar speed. I think you mentioned you think he looks faster, but I, you know I think four or five, low four six is probably what he would have done. But that being said, he also is coming off a broken ankle, might not have you know performed as well as he maybe could have in the past, uh, and you know maybe as well as he will after it heals up. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I was hoping he would run, but um, but yeah, he, he may have felt that he wasn't up to full health and didn't want to put in a bad show and that would hurt his draft stock, which is apparently risen. So right. When it's that high, all you can do is hurt it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So so uh, I totally get it there. Well, all right, all right. Uh that was a fun little segment there. Mm. Um and now we're getting into some late round dudes. Yeah, just uh yeah. So, you know, those are some guys we feel good, uh, you know, rising and falling, but who's a guy? You know, maybe he's not getting as much hype. You think he's going to be going in these later rounds, but you think is going to be a frequent target, you know, fourth, fifth round type stuff here. Uh, you know, maybe you can find, we can find this year's Elijah Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Um, a guy that I don't know why he's not getting more hype. I definitely have him ranked way higher than consensus, but Keontae Ingram, mm. uh, I'm going to be targeting him a lot. I, I love what I saw from him at Texas and at USC. Um, you know, guy got beat out by Bijan Robinson, you know, pretty much everyone would have in this class. So I don't put that too much on him. So yeah, he's, he's succeeded well, especially when he's not been injured. Uh, he stays relatively major injury free, but he does get a little nicked up every now and then kind of like a Dalvin cook. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's very explosive, gets to the hole fast. He's got the side speed, side speed combo. You want to be a three down workhorse if he, if he does work out. So yeah. Um, yeah. Keontae Ingram, I'm going to be targeting him uh, pretty much everywhere in the, in the late rounds if he falls. Yeah, you were higher uh, on him than, you know, near Micah and uh, most of consensus that I've seen. But I do like I do like what I saw as well. Not quite as much as you, but I do like what I saw. I think he's a very capable back. And again, I think there's a lot of capable backs in this draft class. And there's just not the amount of landing spots that we would like to see to make us feel good about a lot of these guys. So there's going to be a lot of these running backs that I like the film, but they're going to get weeded out. I could see him being one of those guys, but. You know, the, I guess that's what you're saying. You you aren't gonna care. You know, you, when the fourth and fifth round at this point, just, just you, you, that's what you should be drafting on upside and your film evaluation because the the chances that they land are you know sub ten percent. So, uh, you know, this is where it gets fun and this is where you know going deep on the film can really help you help help give you an advantage over your league mates. Yeah, and uh, if you're just one of the people who thinks, okay, I want the size speed that he's six foot, two hundred twenty five pounds, and he runs a four five three. So, you know that's probably worth taking a chance on in its own right. If he falls to like the fifth. So um, for sure. Definitely. No, those are very impressive metrics there. So um, for me, it's going to be a guy, he wasn't in my top 12, but you know, he's right outside of it. He was one of the guys I was flopping in and out of there and it's Ty Chandler, Ty Chandler out of UNC 
none of us talked about Ty Chandler and, you know, I was kind of surprised by that, Um, but I really liked what I saw. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's kind of hard to compare because the last two guys that wore his uniform were both better than him and Michael Carter and Javante Williams, but he's still good. He's still a very capable back. He really helped Sam Howell out, who was, you know, most of the rushing offense in the beginning of the season. And towards the end of the year, he really caught on and looked a lot better and was putting up better uh, numbers. So um, I think he has great speed. He tested well at the combine, you know, nothing scary there. Um, you know, he's a little bit smaller. He can catch passes. Uh, it wasn't prolific in that as far as numbers, but I like the film that I watched, I think he is a natural pass catcher and won't have any problems if asked to do that. So yeah, I don't see why if he gets the right spot, I mean, he could be a riser for a lot of people, but even if he doesn't, I'm willing to take a fourth round shot on him pretty consistently, I think. Um, and I don't think he has tons of hype. Right now, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about him, but I do like Mr. Ty Chandler and definitely going to be drafting some of him. Oh, I love this. Good good call. Um, nice. I, I like Ty Chandler. He, he was the same for me. He just fell out of my top 12 guys. Uh, he was RB14 for me uh, when we did the episode. So, yeah, I mean, ran a 4.38 at the combine. He's 204 pounds, so decently sized. Um, you know, some people aren't going to like his age because he's a redshirt uh, senior transferred from Tennessee. So he's, he's going to be uh, 24 years old in May. But, uh, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of miles on him, not too much anyway. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, he looked very explosive to me. He's got sneaky good hands. Uh, he had one incredible one-handed uh, catch in traffic against Notre Dame. I think it was in the fourth quarter this past year. But, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's got uh, good hands that the stats wouldn't show you that. Um, so yeah, I, I like this pick a lot. Nice, nice. Glad we can be on agreement on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'll throw another running back out here since we're on the topic, and it's a guy that just beat him out in my rankings, my RB thirteen, and it's Kevin Harris out of South Carolina. Uh, this guy, man, if if he didn't have the uh, you know the injury with his back and he had the surgery, um, man. He would be a lot higher. He would easily be in my top 10 running backs. But um, he did have a back surgery that slowed him down in 2021. Uh, didn't look quite the same as he did the year prior in 2020, where he looked fantastic. But, uh, you know, he looked a lot better down the stretch. He was definitely getting his wheels back. Uh, he's, you know, he's a thick guy. He's uh, 5'10", 221 pounds. So his BMI is like almost 32. He's a big old boy. Um yeah, we didn't get to see what he run, ran. He didn't run at the combine or anything, but, uh, you know, 38 and a half inch vertical, 126 inch broad. Those are incredibly uh, impressive numbers for a guy that weighs as much as he does. So, yeah, he's, he's got good vision. He's got low center of gravity, falls forward, elite power. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things to like about Kevin Harris. So he's a guy that I'm hoping gets some decent draft stock, and I'm going to be taking him uh, a lot if he falls in the fourth or fifth round. Yeah, you know, I've heard you you hype him up. I've heard a couple of analysts that I enjoy listening to hype him up. I don't maybe I didn't write watch the right games of him. You know, I didn't love the film I watched of him. I think he's like RB17 for me, but I'd be willing to, you know, dig a little deeper because I have heard enough people, you know, that I that I, you know, trust and take credence in their opinion, you know, hype him up. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I definitely don't blame you for him being one of these late round targets. I think he will be probably landing in the fourth or fifth round just because he hasn't gotten, you know, tons and tons of hype. And I think he's kind of, I know he was a, he was a little bit of a Debbie prospect for a while as well, but mm-hmm. so, so some Debbie players might know his name, but I think some casual players 
probably aren't even really going to know because he wasn't at a flashy school and you know yeah. uh, you know had some injuries and what you're hoping when you draft him is if he can get to his sophomore form and he's a true junior coming out so you have to think his agent told him that you know nfl teams have interest in him but uh, you know, in 10 games his sophomore year, uh, shortened because of COVID, he had almost 1,300 total yards and 16 touchdowns. So um, incredibly productive, did it against very good SEC competition. So, yeah, um, you know, what, what you're hoping in that late pick is if he can return to that form, he could give you a very good return of value. So Definitely. Yep, don't got any arguments there. Well, all right, now we're going to get into a discussion. It's going to be multi – multi-segmented here but uh, we're going to just talk about this draft class overall in general how do we feel about the value of the first round um you know we could talk about the other rounds as well if you'd like but um you know for me you know i i'm really worried uh i do have a fear that you know we'll see how many quarterbacks go in the first round, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a lot. You know, I have heard some people say Daniel Jeremiah said he thinks there's a possibility, no quarterbacks go in the first round. Now I don't think that's going to happen, but the fact that that's even a possibility says something, um, you know, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, these guys haven't been getting first round hype. And these are both of those guys are our, our respective uh, Matt Corral for me, uh, Sam Howell for Nate uh, quarterback ones. So, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like the NFL's hyping up Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter guys that, I mean, I liked Malik Willis more than Nate, but guys that we don't feel as uh, Kenny Pickett as well, you know, guys that we didn't have up there and it's going to be really interesting. There's only a limited amount of landing spots and, I'm not sure that there's going to be many quarterbacks I feel good about drafting in the first round of rookie drafts um, after this draft shakes out. And then the same thing kind of goes for running backs. It's, you know, there, there is a dearth of depth. I think there's a lot of good running backs. Some good alliteration, uh, sir. <laughs> thanks. Uh, and, uh, but that being said, there's not a lot of good landing spots. I mean, we went, we had our landing spot episode last week and, you know, we, we brought up some names, but there's really only like two or three premium running back landing spots. And then after that, it's like, you know, you're waiting for an injury or, you know, they're going to be the RB three or they might get the third down roll. So it's just, uh, I, I think this class has a chance, you know, we'll, we'll do our mock draft uh, next week and based off a of mock draft and see how we feel. Maybe I'll feel a little differently, but I think it has a chance for, you know, back half of the second round, or for, sorry, first round, uh, you know, after pick six or something, I'm willing to trade for a 2023 pick. It could really shake out that way. Um, you know, regardless of whether I think it's a contender or not, the class is so elite and so deep that, you know, every, the only thing I think next year's class is not going to be as good at is, is wide receiver. There's still some great elite prospects, but I think the depth is a little bit, there's not going to, it's not going to be as deep, um, but um, you know, running backs is going to be deep as hell quarterbacks. We know there's at least two elite prospects. So I think after the one Oh six, it's very likely I'm going to be comfortable trading out for 2023, but um, you know, that's just kind of how I feel about definitely if you need wide receivers, this is the year. Like you can take two, three wide receivers if you have that many first round picks. And I think you're going to have dependable dynasty um, value for a long time. But, you know, outside of Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, running backs get pretty shaky, you know, outside of pick your favorite quarterback and probably not even him. uh, Quarterbacks are pretty shaky. Tight ends are weak as fuck. So it's, it is a, it it is a little bit less of a deep draft class, but I'll let you give your thoughts and, you know, whether you disagree or agree with that and, you know, just your thoughts overall on the, on the draft class. 
the biggest hit for me personally would be to the tight ends. I mean, they like <laughs> the combine and pro day numbers have completely depleted that position um, as far as like the pass catching, you know, run after the catch guys that you hope translate to the next level. You know, may, we'll see where their draft stock is. But, yeah, that, that position seems to have gotten hurt the most. Um, quarterbacks, uh, I think there's going to be two, uh, possibly three taken in the first round, but I think it'll be at least two taken in the first. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I said this to you, but yeah, if in the 2013 draft, if there was first round quarterback taken between EJ Manuel, G- Geno Smith, Matt Barkley, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I, I think there's going to be no problem of uh, two or more guys getting taken in this one. So um teams are desperate for them no matter how good or not good they are so they'll get taken um but it is a weak quarterback class for sure i mean very weak compared to the last few and the future one so yeah um running back yeah i think it's clear the two elite prospects i think zeus athletically is right up there with those guys but he hasn't proven it as much on the field um but I, i think he is being underrated a little bit but um yeah i mean shoot if I mean, just imagining where these guys would be in next year's draft when you include Bijan, Sean Tucker, um, Jamar Gibbs, yeah, mm. Zach Evans. I mean, Zach Charbonnet would easily be my RB4 in this class, yeah. I think. If he, if he tested well, um, he, he would have just edged out Bijan as the RB4 for me. So, yeah. Um, Bijan. Not Bijan, sorry. Uh, Brian Robinson, sorry. It's like, wait, what? Uh, another, another huge Wait, guy. Bijan's your RB4? <laughs> Not nearly as good. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. So yeah, and and that is like when you're talking about drafting for uh, or trading for 2023 picks, like it's like the 2023 class. I think is better, honestly, across the board. I mean, I think Jordan Addison and Josh Downs and Kayshawn Boutte. I mean, Garrett Wilson and might be and able Jackson to stay. and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, you can't forget him. <laughs> He's so good. Uh, yeah. Is, is does he i thought he was only a freshman am i wrong no he's he's next class he, he was a freshman the year before he was a oh sophomore. man uh, yeah i i've i've totally taken a break from the debbie but uh yeah man he he might be the best of all those guys in fact i believe he is so um yeah, yeah you might be right maybe it is just as deep i mean you know Kayshawn's a little bit tricky right now he's had some uh you Field know stuff medical but even like i mean dude like fucking eric gilbert is now playing at Georgia, and I don't know if any of y'all ca- caught the spring game, but he looked uncoverable, especially in the end zone. Uh, he's going to be like a tight end wide receiver hybrid, basically. He's probably going to be tight end, but I mean, the tight end class next year blows this one away. You got him, you got Michael Mayer. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's just uh, across the board, the running backs are way better. As I just mentioned, the quarterbacks are like CJ Stroud and Bryce Young would blow any of these guys away uh, and do already as younger players in college. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm with you. I would trade for 2023 picks starting, um, you know, mid first easily. And I mean, honestly, if I had the 101, I would trade for a 2023 first and uh, probably a third if I thought it was, you know, a middling to bad team that I'm trading with. Um, if I can pick up a first and a third, you know, optimally you want to get like a, a first and a second. Um, that's what I would send first for sure. But I would take a, a first and a third from a guy that I thought might be picking in the middle to the early rounds. Cause that's, it's just way better it, class. Yeah. I think it's crucial for me if I'm trading the one-on-one, which got into our next portion of this, which, what do you think a fair price for the one-on-one is? Yeah. Um, I, uh, how, that's the important part, 
yeah, the important part for me is um, if if it was a team that I didn't think had a shot, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's because because yeah, I I wouldn't want to miss out on Brees for the low the low end of the of the round certainly, mm-hmm. but um, you know, for me, Brees is one one. You know, it's probably going to shake that way out for you, but it sounds like there could be some doubt. But yeah, let's just assume Brees is the one one for me, like. Um, if you're, which by the way, if you're picking at the 101, you're almost definitely not a contending team. So, you know, there's, there's trades for contenders that I would do if I was a contender, but we're not really going to focus on that. But if you're at the 101 right now and you need a quarterback, I would trade it for Trevor Lawrence right now. Bada bing. Oh, if someone would take that for sure. They would. I oh, yeah. They would. Because Trevor Lawrence is getting a lot of hate, you know, because he didn't put up a good season. And and I think that's spicy compared to a lot of people. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you seem to agree. And, yeah. and uh, you know, if you can get most of the quarterbacks out of this last draft class, I mean, if you really need a quarterback, quarterbacks are expensive. And I know that Brees Hall could be one of these top, you know, guys for the for next five years or so. But um he also could not be and you know when you need a quarterback especially if it's super flex which is all we play or start two quarterbacks um you know I I would be willing to do that so you know that's something to think about but that being said you know I do have some shares of Brees already I'm very excited I I don't want to trade them all I'm definitely keeping some so if you only have one 101 and and that's your only league you have it I don't blame you for you know wanting to hold on to it because it's it's fun right it's fun to have the 101 but uh but that being said there's there's some uh, ideas of some pricing so I do think definitely trading for a 20 if I was getting the 101 yeah I would need a I would take like, I think you could probably get a little bit higher than what you're asking, Nate. Like, I bet you could get a 2023 first and then like a maybe a late first or early second in this in, in the 2022 draft. And that's perfectly fine. Oh, I would depth. run away with that laughing. Yeah, you, there's enough depth in this class where you're, you know, if you're getting the late first or early second, uh, you know, there's guys that, yeah, you're missing out on Brees or whoever your 101 might be, but uh you can fill in a, a good guy there and you know 2023 you can get that absolute stud so start trading for 2023 picks now is pretty much the the overarching message of that um but let's focus in hone in a little bit on this wide receiver class because again it is the strength this is a strong wide receiver class there's no way to take that away um and you, you know there's really really good wide receivers that i'm excited to draft in the mid second so that's that's exciting um but Let's take some established receivers. You know, I, I wrote a couple down. You can add a couple more if you think they apply here. But, you know, like Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, some of these guys that aren't necessarily considered elite elite, but like that's still, you know, probably in a lot of people's wide receiver, dynasty wide receiver 12 to 16 range. Um, so let's kind of focus on that area and just how many receivers in this class, like would you trade if you knew you could get the one or two, one or three, one or four, whatever to get the receiver of your choice, um, you know, how many of how high would you be willing to trade up to, you know, trade away one of these players? Um, so yeah, for me, I'll kind of get into that. It's there's two guys for me. There's two guys that are above the rest, and it's Traylon and uh Traylon Burks and Garrett Wilson. Um, I think that I would for the 103, 104 to get one of those guys right now. I would trade D- DJ Moore, and I love DJ Moore. I really do. I've been a big supporter of DJ Moore's, but he can't get touchdowns. He has some he didn't of the, score. Yeah, he he has some of the most yard. Like I think it's like third or fourth in yardage since he started playing. 
but his touchdowns are like the lowest ever for a receiver that's gotten as many yards as he's gotten uh, in the amount of time he has. So it's a tragic story. They can't get him a good quarterback. The options this year are still not good. I feel the same about Deontay Johnson and Terry McLaurin in that they just can't get these quarterbacks to really unlock their true potential, but they're all very talented. But Traylon or Wilson, I know I'm getting one of those guys. Boom, I'll make that trade right now. Um, as far as the other guys, Pickens, London, Olave, Williams, I'm going to have to see landing spot and I would probably need a little bit more. Uh, so, you know, if we're talking, this is probably 107, 108 range for a lot of people. London might be going a little higher than that, but, um, you know, I would need a little bit more, maybe a second, maybe a player like a Michael Gallup or something like that, that I can fill in for that losing that value but yeah that's how I feel I feel like there's two elite receivers and there's there's potential to be more I mean I think the other ones can be but I need to see landing spot and um you know even after the landing spot I think there's some guys like Olave that I I don't think have that elite upside so I probably wouldn't trade for one of the guys I mentioned but um yeah where, where are you at you, you agree you disagree well, I think you I might know be that Traylon's, Traylon's outside of your range probably, but we'll see. Yeah, he, he's outside. Uh, yeah, he's outside of that range. Um, I do think you're underselling Mr. Michael Gallup in that trade, sir. Michael Gallup is a wide receiver too now. Uh, but besides the point, I, I agree that Garrett Wilson, I would take him over any of those guys. Uh, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, I would take him over all those guys. Uh, I would also take Drake London over all, all those guys right now for sure. Um, George Pickens, I'm on the fence about. Um, I'm kind of with you and where I want to see landing spot and all that stuff. I, I definitely believe he's more talented, but um, you know, it's, it's the NFL doesn't feel that way or if he doesn't go to a good location that could affect his value for me. So, um, but yeah, Gary Wilson, Drake London, I feel confident in taking over all those guys. Yeah. And I do want to be clear, like with DJ Moore, Deontay, there's, they have a lot of, there's people that really, really have them high. So you can probably maybe trade the 104 and ask for a little bit more, uh, you know, if you're mm -hmm. trying to trade these guys away. So, um, but, but if somebody did offer me the 104 straight up for any of these guys, I think I would take it. Assuming that, you know, maybe, maybe Traylon and Garrett go one and two and I miss out on them and I'm mad, but, you know, I'm assuming there's going to be some other positions to go. Yeah, I could, if Jamison Williams went in the right spot, I could see him going above those guys for me too. We'd, we'd have to see. Yeah, I think my top six all have the potential, even Olave, have the potential to be there. But for me, there's only two that I would do it before the draft. So, um, all right. So what is a potential player slash landing spot combination that maybe you've seen mocked? Maybe you just have heard some hype about, maybe whatever it is, obviously a fantasy relevant player that you feel confident about the landing spot, um, you know, trying to call our shots. Now, look, we're probably going to get them wrong. We aren't, you know, experienced mock drafters, but that being said. Uh, Neither are the experienced mock drafters. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, a lot of them aren't. So uh, what's, what's one you're feeling confident about? Uh, what's, what's one you got for us? Yeah, uh, so last year I felt very, very confident in Najee Harris at the Steelers, um, and we got that one right. I don't feel as confident about a pick like that this year, um, not to that level, but I do think, especially if Debo gets traded, maybe even if he doesn't, Christian Watson going to the 49ers in the second round, uh, I think is a good possibility. Um, if, if they do want to move on with Lance, which obviously they're going to have to, he's, he's the guy they selected. They're going to have to see what they have in him. And, um, 
yeah, I think reconnecting him with the guy he, you know, had his best year with in college, basically his only year with in college, uh, Christian Watson, as number one receiver, I think that would be very good. And Watson can do a lot of the, you know, toss sweep stuff. He can he can get the ball and really stress the edge of a defense, which Shanahan loves. So, um, so yeah, he, he's a raw prospect, but he's freakish athletically. He's the mo- biggest athletic freak in this receiver class. So, Christian Watson to the 49ers with their second round pick. Um, I feel fairly good about that. Yeah. Uh, how early are they picking him? Is it a late second? Uh, no. Yeah. It's a, it's a fairly late second. I mean, okay. they were in the playoffs. So. Right. Right. I didn't know if they had traded up or something like that. Yeah. But yeah um, he may not be there, but I do think if he is there, that's a great, I mean, and that's the closest thing to Trey Lance love I've ever heard from you. Uh, so, uh, you know, no, just it just really... makes sense. You got to help him out. He's yeah. Yeah. TV. So I do like that landing spot a lot. I hope it does happen. And, and with Debo going, here's the thing. They might get, they might get a early second and a first or something like that, you know, for Debo, it'll be interesting to see some of these receivers have yielded that kind of, uh, value in other trades. So, um, we'll see what happens. I've heard, I've heard that he's probably going likely to be traded before the draft. So that's going to be probably the last domino to fall. Maybe Baker Mayfield before the draft, but we'll see. I've been some hype to him with Carolina as well. If they decide not to go with one of these rookies. So, um, all right. Uh, for me, you mentioned Mr. Michael Gallup being the wide receiver too, but not anymore, baby, because Jerry Jones loves his Razorbacks. And if Traylon Burks is there at Pick number 24, he will be a Dallas Cowboy. Mark my words. It's going to happen. The only way it doesn't happen is if he gets drafted sooner than that. That's the only way it doesn't happen. That's a pick for a slot receiver. We'll we'll see. I mean, he he can do both. But that being said, he's going to usurp Michael Gallup. You know, him him and CD will probably be the hottest young wide receiver duo in, I mean, you know, I know there's Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins, but yeah, outside of them, the hottest wide receiver duo in the league. And because they're Cowboys, they'll still probably be more popular. But uh, that being said, Traylon to the Cowboys, that's the one that I feel really good about. I love it if it does happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's only because Traylon went sooner than that. So can't really complain. So that's my fail safe. Traylon to the Cowboys, baby. You're going to be real disappointed when Traylon ain't taken in the first um ah, but yeah i you're right jerry jones might 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 get foolish he might get he's, foolish. A, he's a razorback he loves it and he's already Not, like there's been clips of him already talking about him and be, being like that and you know uh uh Traylon hunts wild boars with his hands with knives by the way i don't know if you've heard this story but it's fucking crazy but jerry jones commented on that like if he's digging that deep like come on now I mean, yeah, he's probably a fan because he's a fan of the college. Yeah, I mean, I get it. But if he does it, I think it'd be a very stupid move as a GM. No. Um, It is. He is is way too much money tied into his top two wide receivers to be doing that, Um, especially when they have way more team needs. So, anyway. They don't have that much money tied into CD at this point. I mean, he's on a rookie contract. Yeah, he's on a fairly expensive first. But they're going to sign him. And Michael Gallup just got signed to a big-ass deal, so – it was big for him. It wasn't necessarily big. It, it, was, it was large. <laughs> it was over $15 million, wasn't it? Yeah, a yeah, year. It was, it was like $60 million over four years or something. Um, anyway, neither here nor there. I don't agree. Uh, move on. 
Uh, you're going to notice a theme with this because for the second time, I'm going to have a, a team with a second-year quarterback take a familiar player. And I think John Mechie is going to end up with the Patriots. Uh, the NFL is a copycat league. I think they're going to see the success that Joe Burrow had with Jamar Chase and then the connection they had. And they're going to be looking to make their own young quarterbacks more comfortable. Uh, yeah, I mean, you saw they, you know, the, um, uh, what was it, the Dolphins brought in Jalen Waddell for Tua uh, last year. I think uh, this is the chance for the Patriots to bring in John Mechie and they don't have to spend first round draft capital to do it. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, a pick that's definitely going to happen. All right. Well, I actually didn't have two prepared, but I will just name one off the top of my head. I kind of alluded to it earlier, and it's Kenny Pickett to the Panthers. There's been a lot of hype to that. Um, I like that landing spot a lot. I know that Matt Rule's the worst, maybe not the worst, but he's, you know, among, he's, he's, yeah, you know, there's definitely been worse in our lifetimes, but, uh, you know, he's not very charismatic. He doesn't seem to be that great of an NFL coach, but, um, I really like the weapons around. I mean, you know, Nate, we were talking about this off air earlier and, you know, kind of said he'd like to see them add a weapon. I agree with that. They don't have a second round pick this year. So that makes it a little bit more difficult, but you know, DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey is not a bad starter kit for any quarterback. So I will be higher on Kenny if that happens, but there's been a lot of hype to it. It does look like he could be the first quarterback taken. Um, they all did. The only two quarterbacks they brought in uh, were him and Malik. So um, that being the Panthers. So, uh, and, and no, I'm sorry, they did actually bring in Corral as well, but those are the three guys they brought in. So, um, you know, it looks like if they take a quarterback, it'll, it'll be one of those three. Well, let's hope cool hits prevail and they take Matt Corral. I think that. Uh, for, yeah, for, like, for I just don't, I don't, I like don't want to have to root against Matt Corral in our division, but I guess I'd like it for fantasy. It's conflicting, but anyways. Yeah. And maybe I don't right. want Matt Rule to ruin him. So you're, you're right, you're right. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, real quick, I'll add one more. You don't need to add one in return, but uh, I, I will call out. I do think Sam Howell is going to go to the Steelers. I think that's going to happen, especially if Malik Willis goes early. Steelers have a little bit of a later pick. Uh, I, I think Sam Howell is going to go to the Steelers. Wow. Yeah, I think that one's a little bit more spicy. I'd love it for him. I'd love it for whoever, whichever quarterback goes to the Steelers. But um, you know, there has been a lot more hype as far as you know. Uh, uh, Wow, why am I blanking on the best coach in the league's name besides Bill Belichick? Uh, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, thank you, sir. Uh, Mike Tomlin is really in love with Malik. He's like taking his family out to dinner and everything. But yeah, you're right. He could go before that. But I think if Malik's there at 20, he's going to be a stealer. But yeah. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on. Um, I got a section here, but I want to circle back and do it at the end because I think it's more fun. We're going to talk about a couple of veterans to buy or sell before the draft. Um, and we'll go into our cells first. So for me, and I still like them. This isn't somebody that I have to sell or get off my team, but I think this is the best window you're going to have to sell Michael Carter. Um, because I think the Jets are going to take, a, you know, one of these top five, six running backs on most people's boards. And I think that's going to look, Michael Carter was never going to be a three down back. Like, you know, if you draft, but I think some people kind of feel that way about him at this moment, they feel like, Oh, Michael Carter is the jets running back, which, you know, Michael Carter had some really good games, but if you look at the game logs, none of them were with Zach Wilson, him and Zach Wilson did not have a good connection. He was getting peppered by with targets by uh, Mike white. Uh, those were his good games. And um not to say that Zach Wilson can't make Michael Carter good. That's not it at all, but it just seems like that's not a part of the offense they're going to try to 
center around Wilson. I think they're going to try to get him, you know, somebody that can be a first and second down back. They tried guys like uh, LaMichael Pirine. Um, Kevin other, Coleman. Yeah, other Jags, just complete trash, uh, you know. And that's why Michael Carter was able to shine a little bit. But I think right now, if anybody's viewing Michael Carter as like a top 15, top, you know, 18 Maybe he could be 18. I don't know, but maybe a top 12, top 15 running back, then you got to sell him to that person and reap the rewards because they're going to get somebody else in there and it could be somebody really good like Zeus. Um, so, yeah, I think Michael Carter, this is the window to sell. Yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty solid. Uh, yeah, I think they're definitely going to bring another back in uh, to be in that rotation for sure. Uh, I'll go with another running back. Um, I don't want to harp on this guy too much, so I'll make it quick. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think now is the time to sell. I believe the Chiefs are going to bring in a running back in the draft. Uh, I don't think it's going to be super early, but uh, I've said it in other podcasts. uh, It seems like the Chiefs are trying to get a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical, and Clyde does not fit that bill. Um, And he definitely had his playing time cut the more season went on last year. I know he dealt a little bit with an injury, but, I mean, Jarek McKinnon was straight up out snapping him at the end, so – yeah, um, I think they're going to bring in a big guy to be more of the first and second down hammer at least, and so that's definitely going to hurt Clyde. So I would try to sell him now before the draft happens. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I don't disagree with that. Um, I I just don't think you're going to be able to – I mean, you're going to have to sell him low. You know, I don't think that the consensus is very high on him. I don't think most people – even Rojo going, you know, it was a big blow – uh, to the Chiefs, uh, it wasn't a big blow to the Chiefs. It was a big blow to Michael uh, fuck, Clyde Everson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, right. yeah. But, that, but okay. I I agree with you that I don't want him on my team. Get him the fuck off. And yeah, the draft <laughs> is only only gonna hurt him. But uh, I don't know how much value you can get for him. But if you're willing to sell low for him, you know, late second something like that, I think you could probably do, swing something like that. But are you willing to you know get that low of a price for him at this point, or you you think maybe you can wait? Maybe you might have a couple good games. If someone will play. give you a 2023 second round pick, you take that and you run. And I that's think a, someone would good, do it. Yeah, I think I, I think someone would 100% do it. So yeah, that's a that's I would do that as well. So yeah, I think that's a good good sell there. Um, another sell I have, and I have sold him. I've officially sold off my last share and. You know, it's a guy that I've held on to for a long time. And look, I still like him. It's not this sell doesn't mean I think they're terrible. It just means their value is higher now than it's going to be after the draft. And it's Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you know, most people expect the Chiefs to to pick a, a wide receiver. So it, it's kind of baked into his price right now, but they don't know what receiver it's going to be. And if it's one of these really high-end receivers, I mean, if it's any receiver in my top six, I'm going to feel a lot less excited about Juju than I did the moment he signed with the chiefs. So I think you can capitalize right now. Like, look, he's going to have value. You have to know that you're going to take, you know, if you're a competitor, he's a great wide receiver three. He's a great flex spot. Like I think he's, he's going to be effective with the chiefs, but you know, they got MVS. Nate mentioned they're trying to get bigger. And, you know, Juju is, isn't small, but he's a little skinny. And uh, I think, you know, there's there's some of these alpha receivers that um, can really take. And and the, the other thing is, look, the short area targets, that's, that's mostly Kelsey. You know, like a lot of the stuff that Juju has done in the past, Kelsey's going to be taking that. And, you know, other than that, what does Patrick Mahomes like to do? He likes to bomb it down the field. And that's not Juju's game, Juju's game either. So, 
I'm having problems really understanding how he's going to fit. I know he's going to get targets, uh, but he also had a really, really like low contract, like ridiculously low. I mean, has a lot of incentives to beef it up, but even with the beefed up incentives, it's still low. So uh, I think it's like 1.7 million base. So um, yeah, I, that's that's not enough of an investment for me to feel like he's locked in. And you could probably get a late late first for him, early second for him, and I would do that ten times out of ten. I did just trade him for the two hundred one. Uh, so, you know, that's probably bold in a lot of people's minds. I've seen him as high as like a top 20 dynasty receiver at this point, but I just don't have quite that high of expectations for him. Yeah, I, I agree. I like that. Um, man, I, I have another running back, but I don't want to harp on them too much, but, uh, and I actually also had a MVS as a sell, but I think we would be repeating a lot of the same points as far as like, you know, I, I definitely think the Chiefs are going to add a, a damn good wide receiver in the draft, and I think MVS is going to be the wide receiver two at best. And and really, that makes him the wide receiver three because you have Travis Kelsey on board. So, um, And if Juju's better, it makes him the wide receiver four. So. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's kind of – but, you know, with, with the contract they gave MVS, it definitely seems like they want to use him more. Um, but, you know, he's another guy I had. Uh, I'll mention a quarterback. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is a guy that I'd be trying to get a, get rid of right now before the draft starts. Um, you know, I, I mentioned before, I think Sam Howell is going to the Steelers, but even if he doesn't, I think one of the top five quarterbacks is going to the Steelers. And, you know, I think eventually they would probably beat Mitchell Trubisky out. And even if they don't, they, his value would immediately lower um, the moment that happens. But I just don't see Trubisky as the long-term answer there. I think he'll compete and he may get some starting time this year, but uh, I definitely think they're taking a rookie to be the future guy. Yeah, no, definitely. Anything you can get from Mitch at this point. I mean, I think that's one of the few places. And he did get a decent contract. He'll have a chance to compete and maybe the rookie that they draft isn't ready, but they're going to draft a rookie. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be a value hit there. Um, I'll add a quarterback and I think this is one that it might be a little surprising and maybe they don't draft a quarterback there's been some hype they do but even still just a good time to sell him he's still going to have a couple good years left but you know if you can get great value Ryan Tannehill is a guy that I would be willing to sell Um, I think they very well could end up getting a guy like Carson Strong maybe if Sam Howell fell to the second round maybe if Matt Corral falls to the second round like the Titans could be I don't think they're going to go in the first round, but I think if one of those guys, if there really is less hype on this class and they fall to their second pick, they could get the guy. And maybe he's supposed to just be the heir apparent to Tannehill, but Tannehill kind of fell apart at the end of the year last year. He's getting older and he did, they did just add Robert Woods and they might add some better. Maybe he has stock up after, after this draft, if they add a receiver, but uh, I think they're more likely to add a quarterback than they are to add a receiver after getting Robert Woods. So they're not a heavy passing offense as it is. Derek Henry's going to, you know, resume the mantle of, you know, 40, I don't know if it's quite 40 touches, but at least 30 touches a game. So, uh, you know, I think Tannehill is a guy that probably has inflated value for this upcoming season already. And if they did draft a rookie quarterback, then I would feel even, you know, more squeamish on him. So I think Tannehill, if you can trade him away, maybe get a, a lesser starter and a draft pick or something like that. I think now's a good time to do it. Yeah. See, I would actually argue the opposite uh, just because, you know, 
Tannehill's last playoff game left a lot of sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, but he wasn't that bad when you look at his actual season. And uh, he does offer a pretty good rushing upside, and he's not that old. So, um, yeah, I, I and this is a win-now team, in my opinion. Like, they have A.J. Brown. They have Robert Woods. They have Derrick Henry. Like, they they have guys that they need to win now. Like, Derrick Henry's not getting any younger. Um, so and, and neither is Tannehill. So I think they're going to try to get the pieces they need to make a run. Um, I don't know if that includes getting a quarterback. So, um, but um, but I, I will throw in a buy of my own. And oh, that was a sell. But you're going to buys now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did two sells. You did two sells. I'm going to do a buy now. We're going. I just I, Ryan Tannehill was a sell for me though. So that was my third sell. But that's fine. That's fine. Go ahead. And yeah, do yeah, it. yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and I also mentioned MVS and Clyde right. Edwards-Helaire, then Mitchell Trubisky. So I technically okay. had three. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, AJ Dillon would be a buy for me right now. Um, he, he is cut into a surprising amount of Aaron Jones's receiving work. I don't think many people expected that from him, but he's a surprisingly good receiver for being such a big man. And he's freakishly big and strong and fast for his size. So, um, you know, Aaron Jones isn't getting any younger. AJ Dillon is kind of coming into his prime and he's on a rookie deal. So, um, yeah, you know, Aaron Jones is obviously sticking around there. It's going to be a duo, but in PPR leagues, Dylan has sneaky good value, and people don't see that because he he looks like just a bruiser. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be trying to buy Dylan right now. I like that a lot. I don't disagree at all. There's some real Dylan truthers out there that you know think he's about he's to the be next Henry. <laughs> yeah, the art think think he's about to be an RB one. I don't think that's quite in his. I think I, I do think both of them are going to get peppered with targets. Obviously, with the lack of receiving options that they have in Green Bay, but. Uh, obviously Aaron Jones is going to receive the bulwark of that. And, uh, but that being said, I still think he's one of the better in between the tackle young, young runners we have in the league. And he's only, his, his stock's only going to go up outside of something like an injury. Um, you know, hopefully the green Bay offense isn't stymied such that both of their, you know, running backs lose value because they've always been dependable, uh, backfield in the past, uh, with Rogers. So, uh, we'll see how that shakes out, but I totally agree. He's a good buy. You're going to like my first buy, and it's going to be somebody that is currently ranked as last year's rookie quarterback number five, and he's not ranked that low for you, but it's Zach Wilson. And not for me. That's like the consensus ranking. Clearly, everybody is lower on Zach Wilson than any of the other rookies. I don't know that that's quite fair, and even if it is fair, he's about to get another dynamic receiving option somewhere. It's, you know, they, they went after DK, they went after Tyreek, like, and now they're going after Debo, it looks like. So they're, they're either going to get one of these guys or they're going to draft one of the top receivers at, at four or 10, which mm-hmm. is where the draft selections are. So, um, you know, that's definitely stock up from Wilson. I think it's arguably stocked down for more depending on who the receiver is. I mean, it'll help more in it, but I don't think, I think there's, if they take one of the top receivers that that will be the alpha and more will be the, you know, secondary option at that point. But, um, but Zach Wilson, you know, I think he'll really have a chance to succeed. And if he can't, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll probably know if he doesn't do it this year or the next uh, with the team, they're trying to assemble around him. But uh, I think this is the chance to buy. It seems like the dynasty community at large is lower on him than even I am. And I'm the low guy on this, on this podcast, uh, on him. So, 
but I do think you can get him for a good price. Again, like the 104, 105, if you need a quarterback, maybe even maybe even a 102, maybe any anybody but Brees. That'd be a little bit harder for me, but yeah, I'd be willing to trade a very high draft pick to get someone like Zach Wilson if I need a quarterback. Uh, so um, I think it's a good buy window. Hmm. I, I like that. You were right. Uh, I 100% agree. And yeah, I don't know why he gets ranked as low as he does. I guess it's the incomplete rookie year, but the fact that people are like, oh yeah, Justin Fields is right way better than him is kind of crazy to me. Um, it was pretty bad at the beginning of the season, but he pulled it together. But at the beginning yeah, of the season, yeah, and, and his best and Elijah Moore's best never, never coincided because they were injured at different times. So yeah, it, it um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited for them next year, especially if they add another weapon, like you said. But uh, another buy for me, I'm going to stick with running backs here, is Elijah Mitchell. Uh, this would, you know, be buying him at the right price, but you know, people, they seem to undervalue him. Cause I mean, I, I'm one of them. I'm very skeptical of the 49ers offense uh, as far as like their rotation of running backs, but he seems to be clearly Shanahan's favorite. And he was by far the most effective they had last year. They haven't really added anyone new. Um, we know he has Trey Sermon beat Jeff Wilson, those guys. Um, yeah. I mean, he averaged hundred rushing yards a game last year and Here's the thing, especially if they let Debo go. I mean, Debo was their leading rusher in quite a few games last year. Like someone's going to have to pick up that rushing workload. And so it's going to fall on on the lead running backs in that group. So uh, I think, you know, it may hurt a lot. Uh, some guys like Trey Lance and stuff, but, you know, Elijah Mitchell, he's going to have to pick it up uh, there. And in the short uh, passing game, he might get a little more work. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's addition by subtraction for him. And so now would be a good time to buy. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a good bet there. I mean, can you imagine if they draft another like third or fourth round running back for like the third or fourth year in a row? And it's it'll just be chaos. But outside of that happening, I do feel like he's a good buy right now. Um, you know, uh, I have him on a team and I, you know, I, he does just feel like that gem in the rough, diamond in the rough, uh, kind of like uh, James James Robinson felt to a lot of people. Uh, so he's fun to have, and he plays like an absolute missile on the field, a little bit smaller, but just is so physical. And that's really nice, and it's fun to watch, but it did result in some injuries last year. I think that's the only kind of caveat. He might be a little bit injury-prone with the style of running he has, but, uh, yeah, he is clearly Shanahan's favorite, and maybe Shanahan will finally kind of give the reins to one guy, um, though I doubt it. Watch Trey Sermon come in and be the guy, and everybody's mind – Fucked, but you'd love uh, that wouldn't you <laughs> not, not anymore at this point I've let you know, <laughs> and it was like my rb5 or six it wasn't like i was crazy on him it was just yeah. i did rank him higher than elijah which most people did but yeah i mean i, I had him right tired so yeah, yeah um but uh yeah so that is uh I, I like that for sure well here's a buy for me i'm gonna save my running back for last because i think it's the most shocking uh so my wide receiver that i got here is michael pittman boy am i high on michael pittman like honestly you could throw him in that group with dj moore terry mclaurin deontay johnson for me i think i'd mm -hmm. maybe rather have him than anybody maybe other than Moore. and uh i don't think a lot of people see him as that high but matt ryan let me go ahead and name you the fantasy receivers this man has produced roddy white who was uh Great. <laughs> top 12 yeah, top 12 receiver in fantasy, which this is before I played fantasy, so I had to look this up four <laughs> times. Uh, Julio Jones, obviously one of the best receivers and dynasty or fantasy dynasty whatever receivers uh, in 
recent memory. Ever. Uh, yeah, ever even. Uh, and Calvin Ridley, who before his dramatic decline uh, to complete bumhood uh, <laughs> was, was one of the, you know, I think it was all of our wide receiver three or four, and that was based off of what he'd done, you know, in his yeah. first three years. So, um, you know, Matt Ryan produces fantasy receivers, and Michael Pittman's going to be his guy because, look, they're going to get a receiver in the draft. So a lot of people are probably thinking that, and they're probably thinking, oh, Michael Pittman's value is going to decline. But they don't have a first. They don't have a first-round pick. So they're going to get somebody, and he still might be good. But Michael Pittman, they're not going to get anybody better than Michael Pittman in the late second. So uh, let's remember they were almost a playoff team. So I think their first pick is like the 20th or 21st pick of the second round. So if they take a receiver there, even maybe they wait later, but it's not going to be anybody that I'm is going to scare Michael Pittman off. In fact, their other receivers are like Ashton Doolin, who his name I learned like one week last year. Uh, uh, Don't Paris you Cam- forget about the great Mike Strong. <laughs> yeah, that was your guy last year. Yeah, that was one your of my, one of my deep sleepers. Yes, yes, deep sleeper pick. And then they have uh, uh, the ever forever injured Paris Campbell. So mm. they need somebody. I'm not going to be afraid when they draft a receiver. I'm going to be happy because it's going to take some of the pressure off of Pittman. But Pittman's going to be an alpha. And uh, I think that a lot of people are anticipating a receiver landing to the Colts and maybe don't value him as high as I do right now. So I think, you know, um, I'd rather have Pittman than anybody than except for Traylon or, or Wilson for me. So that's uh, Drake London's close. Cause I do think Drake London's a better prospect, but I think the mm. odds that I think the odds that Drake London lands in a better situation than Michael Pittman right now are low. So um, for, for me, I, I could, I probably wouldn't execute that trade right now, but let's say Drake London goes to the Eagles. Yeah, that's easy. I'll take Pittman. So um you know that's that's where i'm at uh michael Pittman is my second buy yeah if drake london goes to the jets i'm taking london um but yeah i, I do like that buy for sure I, i've definitely come around on Pittman. um my buy this one you know you said your last one was going to be controversial mine will be a little controversial it's a quarterback and this is because you can get him for dirt cheap marcus mariota if you are a contender and you are in need of a qb3 this is your man because I do not believe that they're going to be drafting a quarterback this year. I don't. Uh, I think Arthur Smith is going to run with a guy that he's worked with in the past, has done very well in backup duty, uh, you know, backing up Derek Carr when he's been in games. He offers rushing upside for people that love that. Uh, I think he could legit, you know, be a QB two next year if he's starting the whole year, which I think he will be. So, um, so yeah, the stuff I've seen from offseason workouts, him and Kyle Pitts and stuff, it, he looks like he's the starting quarterback. So I, I think he will be next year. Um, and even if you don't like, I, I think he'll be the starting quarterback for one year, but also you could just pick him up now for almost nothing. And then when they don't draft anybody, you could flip him right after that for more value. So even if you don't want to keep him long-term, you can just do a pick and flip and, uh, and get some extra picks or something. So yeah, um, I mean, a lot of this is based on me thinking that the Falcons are not going to draft a quarterback, and I feel pretty confident in that prediction. So, yeah, I think Marcus Mariota, you can get him for pennies on the dollar. I'd go for it now before the draft gets here. I think that's really good, especially I like what you said about getting him now and trading him after. That's that's how you you know flip value quick because, yeah, you probably aren't going to, in my opinion, want to start Marcus Mariota most weeks, but – 
if you can capitalize on that value gain that he gets when people think, oh, he's the, you know, and maybe they do realize, oh, he's only going to start a year, but yeah, there's contenders out there that need that. I oh, mean, and, you know, and just wait till the game where he rushes for two touchdowns and then just boom, sell him for a late right. first or something. I think it was last year. I no, it was the year before last, but uh, there was a quarterback needy team in the middle of the year. Their quarterback got injured. I traded Ryan Fitzpatrick for a second round pick. That's that would have never happened because Ryan Fitzpatrick was already like 47 at that point. But uh, you know, it's like people need quarterbacks. And so you can definitely make that trade and maybe he does put up better numbers than I expect. Like you, like you alluded to. So I think that possibility is there, but even still just, you know, grab them and flip them after the draft. I don't think we're going to get a quarterback either. Although we don't have a, a second quarterback in there that's worth a shit. So uh, that does make me a little bit more uneasy about, about the situation, but uh, so maybe I'm not quite as certain as you, but I do agree that I don't want us to take a quarterback. And so therefore I don't think we will. I, I honestly don't think we are. I think Arthur Smith is tied to that guy, but the, uh... Yeah, who's yeah. who's your last buy? Last guy I got is my running back, and he is the cheapest running back one in Dynasty, and probably redraft. Cheapest starting running back in the NFL. Who do you think it is? Just off the top of your head. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, in eighty in ADP, obviously. Um, I don't know. I, from from what you might think, maybe Travis Etienne. No, 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 no. It's Marlon Mack. Oh. Marlon Mack, baby. Uh, like he is this. my buy. Listen, okay. There's nobody else there. Maybe they draft a rookie. They probably will. They've they've brought some guys in. They brought in Spiller. They brought in Brees. Um, maybe they brought in Walker. I'm not. I don't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, they've brought in. I'm sure all the top candidates here. But Marlon Mack is right now the best running back. Look, Marlon Mack put up over a thousand yards in the NFL already. His his ACL was two years ago. Look, people are drafting James Robinson like four rounds above him, and James Robinson tore his ACL like two months ago. Uh, and, and and Marlon Mack, you know, he's put up the same production and tore it two years ago. He had no chance to compete with Jonathan Taylor after he lost that job. Uh, and I really think in Houston, he's going to be, he's going to have a solidified role and maybe they don't draft a guy better than him. And if that happens, bam, you have a RB two to start like every week. And I know it's not flashy. It's not going to be 20 points a week probably because the Texans are probably going to not be that good. But I mean, a starting running back that I can trade for like a late third, I guarantee there's people that would take him for like the three Oh eight. So if you're telling me I can get a potentially starting running back all year next year for the 308 or even the 302 like i'm willing to do it it's uh it's pennies on the dollar yeah he might take a hit in this draft so you might be saying why is he a buy but it's because his his value is already so low that even once he takes that hit i'll still rather take him above his adp right now so it's uh it's for me marlon mack is a huge buy right now and and it's uh i feel like a madman saying that but it's it's it is just the cheapest starting running back that you can get and i think it's it's worth taking the shot on and even if you lose your 306 308 your dynasty team isn't going to be hurting too bad so uh i i don't I, even if i lose the the bet it's a, it's a bet i'm willing to make yeah uh yeah i you know me i've, I've been a marlon mack fan for a while um 
he, you know, I seem to call his success a little bit early and then, you know, the ACL or yeah, the Achilles actually happened. And the yeah, being two years removed from that, I, I agree. It's, it's exciting. I do think the Texans are going to get a running back, but even if he's like an RB two, like, I, I think he would be successful as a rotational guy. I mean, they're going to need all hands on deck on that offense, but there's a chance that he's just the lead back all year because they have a lot of holes to fill and running backs are easy to come by. So yeah, um, no, I, I think that's good. You may be able to get him a little bit cheaper after the draft, but uh, you can already get him for, for not very much. So, Totally, totally. Good pick. All right. Well, do you got one more for us or is that it? Oh, that's that's it. I think we've done okay. three each. each. All right. So. Perfect, perfect. So let's close the song out with our last segment here. And we're going to give this the title, the Amon Ross St. Brown Award. Uh, this is, uh, we were all, all three of us last year were very high on Amon Ross St. Brown until the draft. Me and Micah faded him a lot and Mr. Nate kept him pretty high there. And he, you know, was able to reap the, uh, the, the rewards from that. So, um, this is the, the definition of this is a player that we're going to be willing to reach on, even if they get a bad landing spot or bad draft capital. So even if they're fourth, fifth rounder, like Amon Ross St. Brown was, um, you know, uh, we're not going to give up on them because we believe in the talent that much. So, um, Nate, I'll let you start us out. Who is receiving your 2022 class Amon Ross St. Brown award? Ooh, that's tough. I really liked Amon Ra. Um, yeah. I mean, just to cap that off draft stock, isn't everything Tutu Atwell and Terrace Marshall went in the second round. Amon Ra went in the fourth and we all know who we all rather have right now. So, um, yeah, just, just, Pay attention to guys you really love, and if they have a good athletic profile, if they check all the boxes, but the draft stock just wasn't there, don't don't give up entirely. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, Zeus, Zamir White would have to fall pretty far in the draft and fall in a pretty terrible situation for me not to be taking him um, – you know, fairly high in the draft. I mean, not too much. You may, if he fell, you know, may be able to get him in the second round of fantasy drafts. Who knows? But I mean, he's a guy I'm going to be taking a lot. And, you know, he has the athletic profile and the background and just what he did at the combine and what he's done at Georgia. Just I feel very confident in at minimum his first and second down ability in the NFL level to start at that uh, in that role. So, yeah, just give me him all day long. Even if he dips a little bit in the draft, I'm taking him. But I don't expect that. I actually think he'll be the third running back taken. Okay, yeah. No, I definitely like that a lot. And I'll be rocking with Zeus, too. I mean, uh, to a degree, you know, obviously. And the same thing happened with Gainwell last year. You know, obviously he got that fifth-round draft capital. Um, I backed off a little bit. You guys didn't as much. And that was, you know, obviously somebody we should have backed off on. But, um that being said, sometimes it works the exact opposite way. I mean, Elijah Mitchell was drafted after that and obviously turned out great. So yeah, and they're, a lot. Real, real quick, just their athletic profile is just like very, very different. I mean, yeah, no, for, significantly not, compare, not comparing the two players. Yeah, yeah, right. No, no, no. Just 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 the potential bad draft capital. And we were not excited about the Eagles either because they it was a crowded backfield already. So it was just bad all around for for Gainwell but oh and I'm still in the game Gainwell in year two is about to be a problem yeah I I, I certainly hope so because I have enough of them where that would be a good thing for me. <laughs> um but uh, all right well my answer the Monroe St. Brown award is going to go to a receiver and I think I mentioned on the receiving episode he's my favorite player in this draft class now he's not the best 
Uh, and, you know, I probably do like Traylon a little bit more, but he's my favorite, like, non-star player. And it's Sky Moore. Sky Moore, man, I can't get enough of these Western Michigan receivers. And, uh, you know, last year it was Eskridge. This year it's Sky Moore. I mean, he probably isn't going to get – I mean, he might go second round. That's, like, my best hope. But he might go third, fourth. I'm not going to care. I'm still going to – I really, really liked what I saw from him. I like it more than I liked Dwayne Eskridge, as I said a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm really excited about him. I mean, he's a little bit small, but I think he really does have the potential to be the best slot receiver in this class by my eyes. I mean, I think um, he is the best slot receiver in this class, unless like Nate, you consider Traylon Burke solely a slot receiver, but uh, you know, Sky Moore, definitely that's prototype, uh, good route runner, great hands, great after the catch, not as much of a deep threat, but yeah, he'll, he'll serve that slot role for a team. And, uh, I think he's going to be an instant payoff. Um, you know, as long as, you know, maybe he does get buried in a deep receiver room. That might be the only thing I could see making me back off. But if I can project him to be the wide receiver three in an offense, I'm going to do it. So Sky Moore is going to be a guy that I'm excited about. And he receives the Amon Ross St. Brown award. Nice. Good on you. Yeah. Yeah. I like Sky Moore a lot. Hell yeah. Well, guys, this was a deep episode. We covered a lot of topics. You know, yeah. we we haven't really been able to talk about the draft. Because, I mean, we talked about landing spots, but um, and and this 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 class as a whole, because you know, we've been mock drafting and we've been doing our positional ranking. So I'm glad we got to cover. I think these are some really fun topics and we are exactly one week from the draft. I'm pumped. I'm excited. My my blood is a boiling. And I, I feel like I remember what it feels like to be a kid on Christmas again. And that's just, uh, that's, that's the best thing about dynasty. In my opinion is it just makes the draft like so fucking exciting. You know what I mean? Uh, before for players, you've been looking forward to the draft for like two, three years now. Right. I mean, for me, like the draft was something I typically watched growing up in my football fandom. Um, not always, but I would, and I would pretty much focus on my team, like who the Falcons were getting, you know, like, there might be a couple of other players I liked, but once dynasty started, it just becomes a, like every pick is exciting, you know? So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, th- that's personally, you know, one of the really fun things about dynasty and playing dynasty for me, I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast agrees. So oh, yeah. we're all excited. We're all pumped until dynasty. I was never more excited for day three of the NFL draft. Yeah, exa- exactly. Very exactly. exciting time. Would I never ever would have watched day three of the NFL draft. <laughs> I watched the whole before. damn thing now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just popcorn in hand, just yeah. going hard fucking. Yeah. It's, it's great. So, uh, we're more than excited that it's coming up. We are going to get one more episode out before the draft. We promise you. Um, and it's going to be a mock draft of a mock draft. So it's going to be fun. We're going to kind of prepare. Maybe we'll have some bad landing spots that we can prepare and see how far we fade guys. Maybe we'll have some good ones that, you know, we'll rocket guys up, but, uh, it's going to be exciting. We're going to, try to get it as accurate of a mock draft as we can and uh, do that next week. So tune in. Thank you for tuning in this week though. And be sure to like subscribe, comment, hug and kiss your phones as you listen to us. And that was weird. <laughs> it was, it's, what, it's, it's what I need, please. Uh, so sorry for getting weird, but uh, anything else you have to say, Nate? <laughs> Yeah, you get a therapist, and we'll see y'all on draft night. Hug me and kiss me. Bye.
<laughs> bye bye no. now. <laughs> no, but for Nate, this is Josiah. Fantasy Dogs out. <laughs> <laughs>